Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday, and it is July the 14th, 2017. Uh, Our friends over in Europe celebrating Bastille Day. President Trump certainly over there uh, met with the French president and is back on terra firma here in the United States. Uh, I hope that all of you have had a great uh, week, um, and I'm glad that you're joining me to catch up with all the crazy stuff stuff that has been going on. There's certainly uh, never a shortage. Those of you familiar with me, familiar with my program, you know that I'm a retired senior special agent with the former INS, the Immigration and Naturalization Service. And ever since 9-11, I've been a man on a mission trying to wake up our fellow Americans, wake up our alleged political leaders, and I use that term loosely in all too many cases, about the true significance of America's borders, at America's immigration laws. And I've been writing for a bunch of websites. I've been writing for years for a website called uh, capsweb.org, or at least they're located at capsweb.org, the organization, Californians for Population Stabilization. Uh, Although uh, it's California, what happens in California has been happening repeatedly in uh, all the of America's states. So certainly they are not in a unique situation, except um, the decisions made by their supposed leaders um, have really done incredible damage. And that's not a statement of xenophobia. It's a statement of reality. Our immigration laws, in fact, and I want to make this point before I go further, has nothing to do with xenophobia, nothing to do with racism, nothing to do with bigotry. It's about keeping out foreign nationals, that is to say aliens, who are criminals, spies, terrorists, human rights violators, people who suffer from dangerous mental illness or dangerous communicable diseases or would likely become a public charge or if they worked would displace Americans, pardon me, who were similarly employed or at the very least drive down wages by flooding the already overflowing labor pool with still more workers. There's no distinction made by race, religion, or ethnicity. So let's be real clear. But that's one of the false accusations made by the open borders, immigration, globalists, anarchists. Boy, there's a mouthful. But that's exactly what we're dealing with. And they are in both parties. They are a formidable uh, force operating within both parties, aided, abetted, encouraged, and funded by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, a host of other uh, entities, the American Immigration Lawyers Association, 
Tolokan Valley, religious groups, the list goes on and on. People literally, figuratively making out like bandits, feeding at this very lucrative trough while America's national security has been compromised, the safety of our people have been compromised, and the ability of Americans to live out their share of the American dreams uh, all too often have been destroyed because of a massive importation of cheap foreign labor. Not just the bottom-rung jobs held traditionally by illegal aliens, but also the H-1B visa program, all of those. And these were the issues that Donald Trump came to the White House promising to address. And this is why, no matter what Trump does, you will see 800 attacks trying to distract him, trying to distract America and Americans so that the mission that he was elected to address first and foremost, the safety of America and Americans, the well-being of American citizens, is something that is an anathema to the globalists. They are willing to see people die rather than to see our borders secure. They're willing to see people hooked on heroin. And in fact, there are people making tons and tons and tons of money because of America's heroin addiction. But nobody wants to talk about how the heroin flows into the country because heroin uh, isn't produced in the United States. So every gram of heroin had to be smuggled into the country. It funds terrorism. It funds criminal organizations. It funds rehabilitation centers that rip off the government and rip off the medical insurance companies. The banks get to move the drug money around. Think of all the people feeding at this trough. But at the bottom of the trough, what do we find? Death and human misery. That's what we're dealing with. That's how serious it is. That's how evil and immoral this all is. Incredibly, the open borders, immigration anarchists, the globalists, have been peddling their lies long enough that the American people are starting to actually believe it, or they have been believing it for quite some time. It's Orwellian. This has nothing to do with political correctness. I'm going to give you some quotes a little bit later on from George Orwell. And you really need to read 1984. There's just no substitute for reading the book. Not the cliff notes, but the book. And it's not that long. It's fascinating. Uh, I was shocked to find out that my kids were not required to read it. I was. It shows you how different the educational system is and what the agenda is. <clears throat> Except my kids all read 1984 because uh, I decided to do something rather unique in this world. I put my foot down and said, maybe your teachers won't require that you read this book. But as your father, I require it, and they did. And that's part of my responsibility as a good parent. It's part of your responsibility if, you're have, if you have children, too. I don't want to be my kid's best friend when they're 12. I want to be the best father I can be so that they can do the best they can do for themselves. 12-year-old kids don't need uh, parents for best friends, but they need parents who know what being a parent means. So please. If your schools are not requiring that your kids read 1984, make damn sure that you require it of them. <clears throat> they can complain all they want, but at the end of the day, it's a very important book, lots of important lessons to be learned, and I think it will give clarity to much of what we're addressing today, 1984 by George Orwell. <clears throat> also, I've been writing for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com. We're going to talk about one of my articles, a terrorist and naturalization fraud in a bit. 
I write for the social contract, their spring edition, their quarterly spring edition, in fact, contains two of my articles, and they are the lead articles for the quarterly. I'll be writing for their winter edition. I took a breather from the summer edition. Too much going on for me to keep up with. Uh, and I've also been doing a bit of blogging for Newsmax, and they've been kind enough to have me as a guest uh, on their programs quite frequently, several times a month. Uh, I was on, in fact, this past week with my friend Bill Tucker. Bill, if you're familiar with him, used to be one of the correspondents for Lou Dobbs when he was over at CNN. And I was something of a fixture back then at, uh, at Lou's show. I was on um, typically three, four, five times a month, often interviewed by Bill Tucker. So he's now a host at Newsmax, and I, uh, I shared his camera. Excuse me, actually, I use my own camera. I use Skype. But I, uh, I, I shared the uh that segment, at least, with him. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But I, I, I so please check those websites out. And, and by the way, if you like the materials that you see on my website or those websites, email the information to your friends. Um, use social media so that people get to read this. The mainstream media refuses to tell the truth about immigration. Absolutely refuses to tell the truth. People are laboring under a misconception, and it's a dangerous misconception. Um, so please, if you like the articles, whether it's capsweb.org, whether it's frontpagemag.com, whether it's a social contract, whether it's Newsmax, if you like what you're reading, I urge you to sit on Facebook, post it in the social media, and tell your friends and neighbors about this program as well. Because my goal is simple. I want you to have the knowledge that you need to see through the BS being spewed by the politicians and the news media, because the truth is almost an impossible commodity to come by. Newsmax does a great job. One American News Network, Graham Ledger, I love being on the Daily Ledger with Graham. I think he's, he reminds me of the old-time journalists. And, of course, uh, I've frequently been invited to join Dana Loesch on her show, The Dana Show on Blaze TV. They do a great job. The other networks don't have former immigration agents on. The other programs will not talk about pending immigration legislation. They will speak glowingly about comprehensive immigration reform, which would irrevocably undermine America's national security and public safety and destroy the middle class. And there was some report today, I was just watching the news before I came on, that, that President Trump may be moving in an ultimate direction to enact comprehensive reform. If he does, the party is over. The party is over. And this is something you're not going to hear on Fox, on CNN, on MSNBC, on ABC, NBC, CBS. They won't tell you this. And that's why they don't want immigration agents on. President Ronald Reagan was a globalist. And, and if you're a conservative and you love Ronald Reagan, just consider the truth. The facts speak for themselves. He gave us the first amnesty. And contrary to the reports that we keep hearing, oh, he admitted it was his biggest mistake. He never said that. I've been looking everywhere, can't find it. Uh, O'Reilly made the point on his show he couldn't find evidence of it. And in fact, the Reagan administration, and I was with the INS back then, told us that they were looking to legalize about a million illegal aliens. Okay? We legalized almost 4 million. Today, we keep hearing 11 million, 11 million, 11 million, 11 million. It's interesting because back 10 years ago, 2007, the Congressional Budget Office estimated there were 12 million illegal aliens here. So now the numbers we're to believe have gone down. Don't believe it for a heartbeat. Every year, at least a half million. Uh, and that's without taking border, the land borders into account. The system, 
has not worked because it's not supposed to work, the immigration system, the tracking system, hearing after hearing after hearing, year after year, going back to the 90s. We're going to track the arrival and departure of aliens. This government, our government, not just this administration, has spent billions of dollars. Accenture got a $10 billion contract 13 years ago, 12 years ago. Never happened. Incomplete. Not working. Can't do it. They have 40 different uh, websites to check, and nothing is coordinated, and different passwords. The excuses are mind-boggling. We've spent billions of dollars, even though the 9-11 Commission said we need to know when people leave and when people enter. We don't know. We're clueless. We're flying blind in a storm. So back then, they said that we had um, 12 million illegals. Now we're being told 11 million. We're clueless, but we know every year at least a half million people come to America with visas and then disappear. At least a half million, maybe a million, who knows, but the numbers never go up. We had the surges of illegal aliens across the border, and, you know, starting with Obama in his second administration, and which is, by the way, how the majority of MS-13 entered the United States. If you look at the testimony in those hearings that were held two weeks ago about MS-13 in the House and Senate, think about that. doesn't matter. Everybody was, you know, all fired up, MS-13. But you had all these unaccompanied minors coming into the United States. But the numbers did not go up. Here's the point. I assure you, if this administration was to enact, if they made that huge mistake and enacted comprehensive reform, we would not legalize 11 or 12 million or 20 million, probably 30 to 40 million. Now, here's the thing no one wants to talk about. And no one has done a study, and they should. I'd love to know how many children How many adults, spouses of aliens who were legalized, subsequently entered the United States and became lawful immigrants? What no one wants to talk about. If you legalize an alien the day after legalization, the alien has the absolute right, absolute right, no question, no argument, nothing can be said about it, to bring in every single one of their minor children and their spouses, period. There's no conversation. They fill out the forms, and those kids are on the way. And the Congressional Budget Office made the point back in 2007 that it costs 20 to 40 percent more to educate kids who are not fluent in the English language, 20 to 40 percent more. As schools are struggling now, they're imploding. Think of how many people in third world countries have four, five, six, eight children. Think about that. Imagine if. We legalize, we'll be conservatives, 30 million illegal aliens. And let's say only a third of them have kids, so we're down to 10 million. 10 million. But let's say on average they have four kids, recognizing that some of these families have double that. So we're going to be low-balling low it. What is four times 10 million? That's potentially the kind of explosion that we could see in our population, and in our failing schools. What happens if millions of kids who can't speak English are suddenly brought to America, and they're not all going to be, you know, first graders, so they're young and we could start out? What do you do when you have a bunch of 14, 15, 16-year-old kids, and among them will be gang members? Among them will be kids who are functionally illiterate in any language at all. How will the schools cope? What do we do with that? The schools would 
clothes. Forget about any notion of educating anybody. There is no way physically that all those kids could enter our schools. But they would have the absolute unquestioned right to immediately jump on an airplane, come here, and be enrolled in school the next morning. That's what we're looking at. Now look at the fraud. Look at the potential for terrorists to gain entry into the country, fugitives from justice. We've been naturalizing terrorists. These are people who came here, should have been well-documented, clueless. We naturalized them, and they saw in that U.S. passport a weapon. It gave them entry to other countries around the world. It gave them access to airplanes here in the United States and office buildings and all sorts of facilities and jobs that even if they didn't have national security implications, might well have critical infrastructure implications. And when Donald Trump stands up and says, we've got to be careful who we're letting in, we have got to make certain that what we do is consistent with America's best interests, what's the first thing that happens? Well, the courts get involved, and the courts have gotten involved again. And what do the courts do? They say, oh, no, Mr. President, you don't have permission to do that. You may not prevent the entry of people. Now, look at what the news media has done. Almost every news station refers to the countries on, on the President Trump's list as Muslim-majority countries. That's how it's being marketed, Muslim-majority countries. Now, why are they doing that? Because it sends an image. They make it sound as though we're dealing with bigotry. Boy, that bigoted president, he just hates Muslims and wants to keep out all the Muslims. They ignore the fact that Jimmy Carter did the same thing with Iran. By the way, Iran is on that list. And Meadow over at MSNBC, oh, I've got an official report from DHS, and it says that this is a bad program and it won't be effective, and on and on and on. Click on the links. It turns out that it's a preliminary paper, three-page one-source paper, someone's opinion, who said that Iran has no interest in going outside the region and the Middle East and doing damage to us. Well, I don't know who the idiot was that wrote the report, but the guy or the gal is an idiot. During the last election cycle, when Obama was seeking re-election, if you remember the story that summer, it turned out that there was an effort made to kill the Saudi ambassador, blow up the Saudi embassy, and perhaps attack the Israelis here in the United States being carried out by people who are of Iranian descent. They were sent here by Iran. We know that Iran is landing their shock troops in Caracas, Venezuela on a weekly basis. We know there are terror training camps in the tri-border region of Brazil, where Brazil abuts with Paraguay and Argentina. But don't worry, folks, there's nothing to see here. The Iranians are our friends, right? They only want to blow us up. They only go out there and celebrate by chanting death to America. But they're not a threat. Nothing to see here, folks. So being the commander-in-chief, President Trump says, we're going to keep these people out if they pose a threat, if we can't vet them. And that's what, where these six countries come from. So now the Supreme Court ruled sort of in the favor of the administration, although I would take issue, because I don't believe that familiar relationship solves the problem about terrorism. San Bernardino, okay? You have a guy that carries out a terrorist attack. When did it happen? After he brought his fiance here. How hard is it to bring a fiancé to America? Snap of the finger. You're supposed to have met them. They're supposed to have exchanged letters. They're supposed to have done this. And they're supposed to have done that. But like most of immigration law, there are waivers. 
if she lives too far, if there's a religious situation, then you don't even have to have met her before, but you can bring her here as a fiancé. Really? And we screen them. How? As well as the citizens that we've naturalized and then went on to commit acts of terror and were previously affiliated with al-Nusra Front and al-Qaeda and ISIS and other terrorist organizations, the Taliban? Are you serious? Donald Trump wants extreme vetting. I'd be happy for some kind of vetting. And there is no vetting. There is no vetting. Very, very little vetting. Because look at the track record. That was the whole point to my article that, that appears uh, this week in Front Page Magazine. A terrorist and naturalization fraud. But we'll get to that. But I, I just want you to stop and understand that the same judge in Hawaii is doing everything in his power to leave America vulnerable to a terrorist attack. Tough statement. That's reality, and I call them as I see them. Let me read something to you. And you're not hearing this in the media. Oh, he wants to let grandparents come to America. That's what you're hearing from the judge. These poor grandparents that just want to babysit their grandchildren. Well, here is what the judge said. This is from his statement, his, his, his decision. For individuals, a close familiar relationship is required foreign national who wishes to enter the United States to live with or visit a family member like Doe's wife or Dr. Elshik's mother-in-law clearly has such a relationship. As for entities, the relationship must be formal, documented, and formed in the ordinary course rather than for the purpose of evading the executive order, EO2. The students from the designated countries who have been admitted to the United to the University of Hawaii have such a relationship with an American entity. So would a worker who accepted an offer of employment from an American company or a lecturer invited to address an American audience. Not so someone who enters into a relationship simply to avoid um, that uh, EO2. For example, a nonprofit group devoted to immigration issues may not contact foreign nationals from the designated countries and then add them to client lists. Now, think about that. Think about that. So what we're really talking about is anybody can come here. Are they going to check DNA to make sure they're related? Probably not. But just because they're the family member doesn't mean they're not terrorists. In fact, if you look at the articles that I've written about terrorists, many of them have brothers and sisters in the United States or elsewhere. And they're all involved with terrorism. It's all in the family, like the TV show. And in fact, if you look at the, the case involving the San Bernardino uh, terrorists, there were three or four relatives, a sister-in-law, there was the, the fiancé, and I believe a brother, all involved, all related, all related. And if you look at some other material provided by the judge, what he's saying is if, if you are registered in a school, if you have a job, you know, six months to the day after September 11, 2001, I was invited by Sheila Jackson Lee, who was then the ranking Democrat on the Immigration Subcommittee and the Judiciary Committee of the House of Representatives. To everyone's alarm, it was discovered that two of the dead terrorists, including the ringleader, Mohammed Atta, were provided with authorization to change their immigration status so they could attend school in the United States. It turned out it was a flight school. Six months after 9-11.
by then the world knew they were terrorists and they were dead. That's how inept we were. So you say to yourself, well, 15 years ago, we've learned our lesson. Okay, so now we come to my latest article. On June 29, 2017, I'm reading now from my article, the Department of Justice issued a press release. The press release was, Ohio man pleads guilty to providing material support to terrorists. Now think about that. Numerous politicians have proposed legislation that would strip an American of his or her citizenship if that American attended terror training camp overseas or fought on the side of terrorist organizations. That makes sense, okay? So now, here's my point, folks. This guy, Ohio man, his actual name was Abdurrahman Sheikh Mohammed, who came to the United States, Somalia, at the age of two. Came here apparently legally. 20 years later, his brother, who's fighting on the side of al-Nusra, the al-Nusra Front, which, by the way, is a subsidiary of the ever-infamous al-Qaeda, contacts his brother and says, you know, you need to get your U.S. citizenship, and then you need to get a U.S. passport, because if you get your passport, then you can easily come join me in Syria, where we can fight jihad. So his brother, the following month, goes and applies for U.S. citizenship. And a week after he gets his citizenship, we give him a U.S. passport, and he immediately heads out, and he follows the advice that his brother gave him. And by the way, he admitted to this when he pleaded guilty to the charges. So he got an airplane ticket that made it appear that he was going to get to, the, to the, that part of the world and head for Greece, but instead he didn't go to Greece. He went over to Syria. Now think about that. His brother winds up getting killed in combat. He comes back to the United States after he went for training, and they said to him, when you get back to the United States, your goal is to kill Americans in uniform. So what does that mean? Soldiers and law enforcement. Is this new? No. What have we been seeing consistently overseas? And that's why I oppose the Enlist Act. I believe it's H.R. 60, uh, the idea of giving illegal aliens a pathway to a green card if they serve in the military. If you're here illegally, and we have a problem figuring out who you are and when and why you came here. Putting you on a military base creates a danger to that base and creates a danger for America. Because what we've been seeing all over the Middle East are insider attacks. Now, what's an insider attack? These folks join up with the military. They go through training, but their sympathies lie with the terrorists. And as soon as they get to training, when the day presents itself, they're at a training base, they're at the pistol range, whatever. They pull out the gun, they swing it around, and they mow down as many of their soldiers uh, and, and instructors as they can. And everyone says, oh, my God. And I've written about it. How in one case in the Middle East, there were so many casualties, they ran out of body bags or coffins, whichever. The point was the bodies were piling up like firewood. So you're going to take illegal aliens and put them in the military, even though we see time and again we can't screen them. A week earlier, two weeks earlier, I wrote an article about two brothers, one of whom went to terror training camp at the age of 16. Think about that. He's from Lebanon. Goes to terror training camp at the age of 16. Subsequently immigrates legally to the United States. His family, according to intelligence reports, is the face of, of, of Hezbollah in the Middle East. His brother is like a poster child. He's on the pictures advertising Hezbollah. We admit him legally. He ultimately gets U.S. citizenship. He attends City University School of Engineering and gets a bachelor's degree in biomechanical engineering. 
and gets an MBA in business. Think about that. He went all over the world with another one from Detroit, another guy from Lebanon, scoping out military bases from the United States and Israel. They traveled to Panama, one went to Thailand. They were working with a company in China to get chemicals for explosives. Think about what we're talking about. And then he eventually pleaded guilty to providing material support for terrorists. Now, that individual from Lebanon was denaturalized. He pleaded guilty. Inexplicably, this most recent case, this guy who came here at the age of two from Somalia, pleaded guilty to providing material support to a terrorist organization, and he pleaded guilty to lying to an FBI agent, but nobody bothered to charge him with committing immigration fraud when he applied for naturalization. Now, why is that important? This guy is a ticking time bomb. He is a sleeper. He was here for one purpose and one purpose alone when he came back, kill Americans. He's going to go to jail. He's pleaded guilty. But he's young. He's in his 20s. It's unlikely he will do more than 10, 15 years in jail. By the way, the crime of naturalization fraud in conjunction with terrorism carries a 25-year penalty. And in fact, when CNN reported about that other case, the guy that pleaded guilty to all the other charges said that he was facing 20 years in jail. He was actually facing 25 years in jail, but CNN would not include in the charges that it reported on that one of the charges was naturalization fraud because they don't want anybody to think that immigration was the facilitator for the terrorists because immigration has nothing to do with terrorism. How do I know? I've been told this by members of Congress. The same people who invited me, like Sheila Jackson Lee, to testify before Congress. Oh, my God, we've had a problem here with terrorists. Immigration messed up. What do we do, Mike? Four years later, I'm being told by the same members of Congress, mostly the Democrats, oh, no, 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 Mr. Cutler, immigration has nothing to do with, immig- with, with terrorism. Terrorism has nothing to do with immigration. I said, well, if you look at the 9-11 Commission report, oh, we're not going to talk about the 9-11 Commission report. Really? We're not going to talk about the 9-11 Commission report? What was the point to the report? The reason for that report, the reason that those people put in that effort to learn from the experts what went wrong to prevent it from happening again. When Space Shuttle Challenger blew up, they convened a commission. For what purpose? To figure out why it blew up so it wouldn't happen again. When Columbia disintegrated, Space Shuttle Columbia disintegrated, they convened another panel. Why? What went wrong so it won't happen again? When airliners crash, the FAA and the NTSB and everybody comes out. Why? What went wrong? We don't want it to happen again. So there was a 9-11 commission. And the 9-11 commission said, first and foremost, immigration, immigration was at fault. Multiple failures of the immigration system enabled terrorism, not just on 9-11, but they looked back a decade earlier. <clears throat> and at least, 59 out of 94 terrorists engaged in immigration fraud and or visa fraud to enter the United States and to hide in plain sight, to embed themselves. 9-11 Commission said it. And today, if you say to the Democrats and some Republicans, immigration and terrorism, oh, no, 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 one has nothing to do with the other. Uh, 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 We don't want to talk about that. Okay. The kid playing with matches is the reason the house burned down. No, 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 no. It had nothing to do with the kid in the book of matches. Why did it happen? Oh, it was raining in California that day. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with anything. Find some other excuse. That's how absurd it's become. It's all about lies. 
It's all about concealing the facts. It's all about bullying Americans who dare stand up and say, wait a minute. If you can't secure the border against terrorists and enemy combatants, you can't protect America or its citizens. No, we're not going to talk about that. Well, when there's a burglary, the police tell you to lock the door at night. But that has nothing to do with this. Well, if you left your door open and the burglar cleaned you out when you're on vacation because you locked, you didn't lock your door and you didn't set the burglar alarms, the insurance company would certainly not pay your claim because you were negligent. But that's different from this, really. So time and again, time and again, we admit people, they commit terror acts, they kill people, they destroy property, and we refuse to change the policy. We refuse to learn the lessons that we should have learned. And then more people die. And then we're told, well, you can't separate families. You can't separate families. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. You can't separate families. Do what I did. Talk to the people who lost their kids and other loved ones, their parents, spouses, on September 11, 2001. Their families were split up, weren't they? But that doesn't matter. You know why? Because they're Americans, and Americans are expendable. In fact, get the sense that the true goal is to change the composition of the American electorate. You almost get the sense that the open borders anarchists, People that are waging war against the middle class are doing so with a reason. And they are. They're doing so because the middle class makes too much money. Alan Greenspan testified before Congress that the reason we have wage disparity in America is because we're shielding foreign American workers from foreign competition. And he was talking about the highly skilled workers. In immigration law, highly skilled workers are people with advanced degrees, the STEM professional, science, technology, engineering, math. Right? The computer programmers, the engineers, the medical techs, all those people, we're shielding them. Now, if we would only stop shielding those people from foreign competition, do you know what would happen? Their wages would go down. Their wage premium would be diminished. And if we could cut that wage premium that middle-class workers are earning, then we would greatly reduce wage inequality between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. I didn't say that. Alan Greenspan did. Alan Greenspan had testifying for Chuck Schumer when Schumer chaired the House, I'm sorry, the Senate Immigration Subcommittee, referred to middle-class American workers as the privileged elite earning a wage premium. The middle class is clearly the problem. The middle class worries them tremendously. Now, why does why do they worry about that? Why do they have it against the middle class? Well, in 1984, George Orwell talked about how the middle class had the intellect to create a problem for the ruling class, that they felt stifled and so forth. They had the education. They were the ones who might throw cold water on this revolution by, by, the, by the people that had been taking over in 1984. It's a brilliant book. You really need to read it. And, and you know, I've often made the point that what we're dealing with isn't political correctness, but but nothing short of newspeak. So let me read this to you. This is a, a, a an appendix, a summary of of the of the book, 1984. So, I mean, this this is really incredible. Um, the purpose of newspeak was not only to provide a medium of expression for the world view 
and mental habits proper to the devotees of Ingsoc. Ingsoc was the term used to describe the political ideology, Ingsoc, okay? But to make all other modes of thought impossible, think of safe areas on college campuses. We're not going to entertain opposing viewpoints. There's only one viewpoint, the approved viewpoint. That's how dictatorships arise, folks. Democracy is supposed to celebrate freedom of speech by debate, by discourse, by argument, by conversation. Language is the problem. And in Newspeak, they kept whittling away at the words, and then they got rid of grammar, and they did everything they could. And then I started to think about Twitter. 144 characters. <clears throat> if that isn't Orwellian, I don't know what is. Because it goes on and explains it. It was intended that when new speak had been adopted once and for all, and old speak, old speak, you like that? Forgotten. A heretical thought. That is, a thought diverging from the principles of Ingsoc should be literally unthinkable, at least so far as thought is dependent on words. In other words, eliminate the words and eliminate the thoughts, right? It continues on and says this. Its vocabulary was so construed as to give exact and often very subtle expression to every meaning that a party member could properly wish to express while excluding all other meanings and also the possibility of arriving at them by indirect methods. We don't want you to reason. We don't want to hear about logic. We don't want you thinking independently or thinking outside the box, as we say today. huh? And then they say this. This was done partly by the invention of new words, but chiefly by eliminating undesirable words and by stripping such words as remained of unorthodox meanings and so far as possible of all secondary meanings whatsoever. Let's get rid of the word alien and migrant. Let's get rid of other words, because as we eliminate the words, we eliminate the thoughts they represent. Finally, it says this. To give a single example, the word free still existed in Newspeak, but it could only be used in such statements as, quote, this dog is free from lice, or this field is free from weeds. It could not, however, be used in its old sense of politically free or intellectually free since political and intellectual freedom no longer existed even as concepts and therefore were of necessity nameless. Do you understand that when you eliminate words, when you make it impossible to make the distinctions that language allows, time you erode the ability to argue or think independently or rationally or reasonably. It is about control. It is about control. That's what's missing from this whole conversation. So when people say, well, we're being too damn politically correct, you need to correct them. We are being Orwellian. This is Ingsoc. This is about eliminating the thoughts and the ideas. And if you look at Ingsoc, you see a little passage where it says that the middle class was the problem, that the middle class posed the threat to the government. 
Now, maybe I'm crazy, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it certainly is interesting how what we're witnessing in America today meshes perfectly with what George Orwell wrote in that unbelievable book, 1984. We eliminate the words, we eliminate the thoughts, and we only will allow one designated meaning for each word. Now, here's what's interesting, and I don't know that it's been removed from the dictionary, but it was kind of startling. If I said to you, sleeper, what comes to mind? Well, when you consider the congressional hearings where I've testified, where uh, Mueller, the head of the FBI at the time, testified, the term sleeper has been used to describe the foreign agent who enters the United States, terrorist, spy, so forth, keeps a low profile, and waits until he or she is tasked. That's a sleeper. We talk about sleeper cells. A whole bunch of people that come here waiting for a tap on the shoulder. The 9-11 hijackers certainly constituted a sleeper cell. So I was looking up the word sleeper, wanting to illustrate an article that I'm working on by saying a sleeper has been defined as. I went online, and for the most part, the word doesn't even exist. But where it does exist, it is really remarkable. Because the definitions began with sleeper, someone who's sleeping. Then it was a movie that doesn't do well in the box office. Then it was cars that are hard to sell in the, at the dealership. And then eventually at the very bottom, after about six or seven other definitions, sleeper was mole, M-O-L-E. But there was no definition with mole. It was a link. I did this online. I clicked on it. And then when you get to the next page and you see mole, you have a bunch of medical definitions, you know, a blemish in the skin and the growth and this and that. And finally, at the very bottom, it said spy. Not even terrorists, just spy. Now, perhaps it's always been that way. But I certainly find it remarkable that in this era, where there's been great concern, literally for decades, about sleeper cells, punching in the word sleeper very often yields nothing. Try it yourself if you think I'm kidding. What, we've, what we're really witnessing is over time, the old boiling frog deal. You know, if you throw a frog into hot water, it'll jump out and run for his life. But if you put him in cold water and slowly raise the temperature, by the time he realizes what's going on, he's cooked. We're eliminating the term illegal alien. We get to eliminate another term and another term and another term. And, and people are trying to convince us that anybody who's here from another country is simply an immigrant. Now, if you can convince people that there's no distinction to be drawn between citizens and aliens, then you don't even need an immigration service. You don't need borders. You don't need border patrol. You can just have people come and go as they wish. And I could tell you that when I had an argument with somebody who was working with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, a witness at a congressional hearing where we both testified, and we got into a discussion about borders, he came up to me during a recess. In the hearing, the members of Congress had to go vote. He said, Mr. Cutler, you need to knock it off. I said, what's that? Your insistence on a secure border. You need to stop this. You're costing me money. I said, do you know that our borders are our first and last line of defense against terrorists, against criminals? And he just looked at me. He said, now you listen to me carefully. That damn border is an impediment to my goddamn wealth. We almost came to blows. We almost came to blows. And this was only a few years after 9-11. And as long as the United States Chamber of Commerce and its friends in the hotel, hospitality, and travel and manufacturing industries 
as long as members of the American Immigration Lawyers Association, and I assure you there are many members of Congress who are members of the American Immigration Lawyers Association, as long as there are various groups who, for various reasons, want an unimpeded flow of people across our borders, and as long as they are more fixated on head counts on airliners than they are on body counts in the morgue, then it will only get worse and not better. When you have a judge saying that the immigration laws that are supposed to protect America and terrorists can't be enforced by the President of the United States if these aliens are related to a cousin or an aunt or they have a grandchild or they're going to school or they have a job, most of the terrorists have family relationships in the United States, not just 9-11 others. They had visas. They were going to school. Think about that. Think about that hearing where I was supposed to, where I testified, in fact, because they were supposed to be allowed to go to school. They were dead, but that didn't stop anybody. Who cares? Trivial facts. Oh, they were terrorists? So what? ABC News reported on a GAO report two or three years ago that said that over, I believe it was over 50,000 foreign students had gone missing in the United States, and thousands of them were of national security concern, students. So this judge, and the headline reads, Judge says grandparents can't be excluded from the United States. Grandparents. Why don't they talk about the foreign students who can't be excluded? Or people who have a business contract who can't be excluded? Or people who are lecturers at universities who cannot be excluded? As long as you have something to hang your hat on. But I'm going to be tough because the immigration lawyers, I'm sorry, the immigration advocacy groups can't petition for you. Right. Right. Could it be any more thinly veiled than that? It's not only family relationships, folks. Why isn't the news media reporting on that? They don't want to separate grandparents from their grandchildren. That's how it's being portrayed. So foreign students, they're not grandparents, and they don't even have family here. But as long as the school wants them, by God, we don't care if they kill Americans. As long as the company said they're going to hire them, that's great. And they talk about bona fide relationships. Well, bona fide is interesting because that gets to the issue of fraud. As an immigration agent, when I did immigration investigations into marriage fraud, we called those bona fides investigations. So if my boss said to me, what's on your schedule today, Mike? I might well say to him, well, I'm going to go out with my partner. We have a couple of suspected marriage fraud cases. We're doing bona fides investigations. That's how we call them. But what efforts are supposed to be done to make sure that these are bona fide relationships? God knows. And even if those are bona fide relationships, what if nevertheless these people are terrorists? That doesn't much matter. You see, because this goes back to the mythology. What's the mythology? Immigration has nothing to do with terrorism. Terrorism has nothing to do with immigration. Never mind that the 9-11 Commission said in the very beginning, the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel began by saying that it might be obvious to state that terrorists who can't enter the United States can't attack the United States. I'm paraphrasing, but that was the very first damn sentence. It might be obvious. Can't enter the United States, they can't attack us. But immigration has nothing to do with terrorism. That first paragraph talked about visas and how they were able to game the visa process. This is the 9-11 Commission. The Commission convened to figure out how terrorists were able to attack America. But immigration has nothing to do with terrorism. 
Never mind the 9-11 Commission. What do they know? What do they know? They only interviewed FBI agents and CIA agents and, and at least uh, one or two immigration agents, uh, yours truly, certainly. But what do they know? Because immigration has nothing to do with terrorism. It's Orwellian. Immigration and terrorism are not synonymous. How do you know? I just told you. This is now doing. They've taken those campaign contributions from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and they know what they must deliver. The, the lies, the deceit, the deception. And let's face it, if Americans get killed, the funeral industry is an industry, and I bet the U.S. Chamber of Commerce would be just as happy, because what the hell, the folks that own funeral homes need to make some money, too, don't they? And if they can get some money along the way, more the better. If this is all about, it's just business, you know, as the mob would say, just business. This is the level of deceit that we're dealing with. You look at the 9-11 Commission report, and then you look at these members of Congress. You look at reports that were done by MSNBC 10, 12 years ago. Amazing reports when I was a regular. I was on MSNBC several times a week, several times a week, different shows. And they were going after this issue, and they were writing reports about how identity theft was being done by terrorists and giving a U.S. passport to a terrorist could get us all killed. All of a sudden, I don't know exactly when, maybe 2004, 2005, it's like somebody flipped the switch. Somebody flipped the switch. And boom. All of a sudden, the news media says, we're not talking about this anymore. We're not going to tell the American people the truth anymore. We're going to play games. We're going to play games with the lives of Americans. You look at the drugs pouring into America. You look at Americans who can't find jobs. Americans who are losing their homes to foreclosure. Nothing to see here, folks. Keep moving. And there are people who are very eager to accept the argument that our schools are doing a crappy job. So, of course, we have to import foreign workers. That's what Ted Cruz said, didn't he? America, for it to lead. I believe in American exceptionalism, Ted Cruz said. But for America to lead, we need to bring in the best and brightest from around the world. We need to bring in the best and brightest from around the world. Are you kidding me? America launched a New Horizons spacecraft, those of you familiar with the space program, that went zipping by Pluto, and it arrived uh, by Pluto within a couple of seconds of when it was predicted to get there after a 10-year journey covering billions of miles. The two Voyager spacecraft, now hurtling out of the solar system, were launched in the 70s by what country? the United States of America. Who built it? Americans. But we need to import the world's best and brightest. What country first broke the sound barrier? America did. Chuck Yeager at the controls of the X-1. In fact, my wife got me a wonderful model of the X-1 autograph by Chuck Yeager. It's a gift I, I will always cherish. Yeager is an American hero. He broke the sound barrier. What country sent men to the moon? We did. What country built the Panama Canal? We did. What country built and orbited the first communication satellites? We did. Do I have to go on? Do I have to go on? But we're told the schools are failing, so we've got to import the world's best and brightest, even as the world's best and brightest, the American workers are being fired. They're being canned. They're being thrown out the door. Of course, they have to train their lesser able replacements who come from India and elsewhere. But 
those other workers are exceptional. They are willing to work for exceptionally low wages under exceptionally adverse conditions. And the Democrats that used to represent working America has stuck a knife in the back of working America. The Republicans were the party of the corporations, so I understood that, which is why I'm registered as a Democrat. I'm being blunt with you folks. But I haven't voted for a Democrat in decades because they have knifed America and Americans in the West. There used to be balance to America's political system. The Republicans represented the, the business owners. The Democrats represented the workers. Both sides have legitimate concerns. Both sides have legitimate concerns. Let's be fair. Let's be balanced for a change, not just with our mouths, but in reality. But one day, the American workers woke up to the ultimate betrayal by the Democratic Party. And that's why I wrote an article about the useful idiots who participated in what I call the mayhem, the May Day mayhem protests. They're screaming bitterly about Trump and his immigration policies, but I guess they, they were cutting class when they taught about supply and demand. If you flood the labor market with cheap foreign labor, you drive down the wages. You drive down the wages. So the new chant is, you know, $15 an hour for wage equality. Equal to what? 30000 a year. Try to live on that in New York City. You can't support a dog on 30000 a year. $30,000 a year, $15 an hour, wage equality. What they're aiming for, folks, isn't a minimum wage, standard wage. They're aiming for a standard wage of $15 an hour. And then the government will have utter total. thing you want will have to be given to you by the government. That's the reason. That's the reason. People that seize power don't seize power temporarily so that a revolution can take place. People in dictatorships who seize power, they do so simply to stay in power. These are a different breed. And if you're dealing with that kind of a mindset, please understand the way that the erosion of our freedoms is taking us down a dangerous path. And we just have forgotten how it used to be before. And most of the people who are now being made supervisors in the, at DHS came on board after 9-11. I'm willing to bet that many of them are clueless about the nexus between immigration and terrorism. They were either too young or they weren't there, or they're making deals to go along to get along. George W. Bush made sure that when he created the Department of Homeland Surrender, as I came to call it, that he did everything he could to neuter any efforts at immigration law enforcement. Don't take my word for it. Read the articles I wrote where John Hostetler, who was a Republican chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee, made that point, that the way DHS was configured went against the very purposes of the HSA, the Homeland Security Act, that was the enabling legislation. Therein lies the problem. The problem is that immigration was the target, not seen as the tool, not seen as a device that could protect America or Americans, but immigration law enforcement was seen as an impediment to the wealth of very deep-pocketed campaign contributors. When I look at the Congress, with a couple of exceptions, my friend Lou Barletta, who is as honest and sincere as they come, Chuck Grassley, the senator from Iowa, Steve King, there's others, there's others. 
Please don't misunderstand me. The point is, what I see when I look at Congress are a bunch of marionettes. The question you need to ask yourself is who's operating their strings? And I would suggest, as I said in, deep, in the movie All the President's Men, although it turned out he never said it, Deep Throat, but the advice was always a good one and one that I followed as an agent. Follow the money. If you want to know who the puppeteers are, follow the money. The program is helpful to you. If you find the information unique, because I'm sure you're not hearing this anywhere else, tell your friends about it. Please go to my website, michaelcutler.net. Please visit capsweb.org, frontpagemag.com, the social contract, Newsmax. Great job over there. Check out what they're doing. Check out what I'm doing. You know, I always like to make that point that democracy is not a spectator sport. It is extremely critical, and I mean extremely critical, that um, we educate our fellow Americans and that they make certain to hold the politicians accountable and make certain that those politicians come to understand that we're not as dumb as they hope that we are. Great to visit with you this evening, folks. I hope you have a wonderful weekend coming up with you again next week, same time, right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Good night. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.